When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Omar Ahmed for IFL TV. Proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm joined by Dan Raphael, who is, of course, um, at the Shakur Stevenson fight last night. Uh, Incredible performance from Shakur. Uh, We'll come on to that. And also uh, Bam Rodriguez um, on the DAZN card. We'll come on to the action from last night in a bit. But I want to start off, Dan, with the main talking point in boxing this week. Uh, Another situation in relation to uh, PEDS in boxing, uh, Amir Khan. um, We learned, obviously, he received a a two-year ban um, from UCAD for a failed test uh, in relation to the Kell Brook fight. I just want to get your thoughts about the promoter of that fight, boxer and Ben Shalom. Uh, Ben has said several times since the news broke um, that he only found out just like us via social media, the board didn't inform him um, about Amir's failed test on the night of the fight with Kell Brook. So what are your thoughts on that firstly? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I wasn't actually at the Shakur fight, but I sure paid attention. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but uh, as it relates to the, to the drug testing situation, it is rather bizarre to me that, that the promoter of the event would not be informed. In the United States, if uh, there is a failed drug test, whether it's a commission order test or it's a test that is handled strictly by VADA, sometimes VADA acts as the conduit between uh, the promotion and the commission in terms of the testing, or if it was USADA even, whatever it is, the promoter is among the very small group of folks that are notified. And so for this had this is not something that just occurred for UCOD to have known the results of this situation. Uh, going back to when they first suspended Amir back in, what, April of 2022, a couple of months after the fight, which that makes sense because it does take some time to get the test results back. I find that to be absolutely unconscionable. And even if you want to say, okay, they had to go through their due diligence and do the whatever investigating and hold their uh, whatever their tribunal was to determine what the punishment was going to be or if there was any kind of mitigating circumstances, I just find it bizarre that they wouldn't notify the others that were directly involved with the situation. Um, it's just another one of uh, the things that go on in testing in the UK that just makes no sense to me. 
the only thing i can think of here is um obviously when promoters put on shows here and as in in the uk and they uh, pay for vada testing that's obviously a contract between the promoter and vada and therefore if there's a failed vada test vada will inform the promoter because that's who the contract's between whereas with ucad um the contract isn't with um ucad and the promoter so they might you can, be you can you can stop right there because in the united states a vada contract is not even necessarily with the promoter it's with the boxers man to man the two boxers contract now the promoter may handle paperwork and just to make things you know like a clearinghouse but even if that's not the case if there's a failed vada test in america whatever if there's a contract with the promoter it doesn't make a difference they darn they know up front that if there's a failed test or any any results positive or negative they are reported not only to the people on the contract and the promoter they're reported to the local commission not a party to the contract they're reported to the association of boxing commissions which oversees uh, all state commissions and tribal commissions in the United States. So, and they're not party to the contract. So that that's, if that, if they're going to use that as an excuse or a reason, and I don't know that to be the case, I find that to be absolutely nonsense. Okay. So from what you know, um, UCAD, when there's, when there's a failed test like Amir had, UCAD should be telling, or they're, they're allowed to tell the promoter, rather than justify it which is clearly according to ben what's happening they've just told amir khan i don't understand what the hell they're doing i mean i don't know the direct ins and outs of what their minutia of their rules say i i do know how it operates in the united states it shouldn't be that much different we're talking about the same sorts of tests the same sorts of substances the same sorts of uh results that take place it should be very it's transparent. It should be main, you know, uh, streamlined. It shouldn't be that complicated. You order a test for a fighter that is preparing for a fight or a post-fight test. You give them the urine test, perhaps a blood test, depending on what the rules say. You test that substance, an A and a B sample is procured. If one comes back positive, uh, notify those who need to know. Uh, you do your due diligence. You seek their opinions, their their excuses, their reasons, their rationales, whatever the case may be. And uh, you get your experts involved and you go through the process. And then the thing that's more, you know, eventually I didn't know about it. I mean, it, it, I don't think that's appropriate, but it's really doesn't make a difference. He may be pissed off about it, but it doesn't change anything. I mean, the fight is over, the promotion is done, whatever. So I don't really think that's a huge deal. What I find to be way more of a problem than not, not notifying a promoter is the fact that it would take as long as it would, that if you would issue a, a provisional uh, suspension to Amir Khan in April of 2022, which is a reasonable time frame following a, a February fight, and it doesn't come to light until literally, what, 14 months later, there's no reason for that. That is inexcusable. I know from experience, and it's you don't even need experience, it doesn't take 14 months to, to uh, test somebody for the substance that Amir reportedly uh, tested positive for. It just doesn't take that long. Even if it takes uh, a couple of months, fine. And then again, you have to do your investigations. I understand you want to keep it quiet until you know for sure what the results are, if they're going to you know, be guilty of an infraction, or maybe there's a reason and it's not going to come out because you don't want to smear the guy's name. Okay, that's fine. But 14 months, give me a fucking break. doesn't take that long. And by the way, this is not like UCOD's first time having this issue. Uh, you can go back to when Tyson Fury had his UCOD problems. Mm -hmm. He had such a long time between the positive tests being known by UCOD that he already fought again after that 
and defeated Vladimir Klitschko. So after he became the heavyweight champion, it became public that he took a backdated two-year ban because of that situation. So they haven't changed their ways. They're not transparent. And transparency is a very important thing, in my opinion. You know, you shine the light and, uh, you know, and the truth will suffer is the way I look at it. Dan, um, yeah, I'm sure you've covered uh, plenty of uh, Amir Khan's fights. Obviously, a lot of them were really? in the States, of course. He made a big name for himself in America. Um, and you know him very well. Um, his character, um, obviously, been a, a clean fighter throughout uh, his journey. Literally, the only time he has popped was the, was the last test he, he would have done on the night of the Kell Brook fight. Um, were you surprised? Because I think a lot of people were surprised, you know, from yeah. the performance itself and, and knowing, Amir, that this actually happened. Yeah, I mean, I was, I guess I was surprised because, as you said, he, he's gone through a long career fighting lots of top guys, never had any uh, whiff of, uh, of a, an issue with PEDs. Even before he was a professional, they're tested when you're in an Olympic situation. He was a silver medal winner in the Olympics when he was 17 years old, had been through plenty of drug testing as an amateur. And then as a professional, but you know, you just never know. And I, I, I'm not, I mean, I've, I've covered Amir a ton in his career. I, I, I feel like I know him probably almost as well as uh, many of the fighters I have covered. You know, if I was going to give you a list of like, you know, here are the 10 fighters that I feel like I know on a personal level, the best compared to all the other guys I've covered, I would put, probably put Amir on that list. Um, but Bill, we're Friends, I don't know what goes on when we're not hanging out, you know, or at a fight together. Rather, I mean, it's not like we call call each other up on the phone. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? So, um, all I know is a positive test came back, and one thing I know also is whatever it was, it sure as heck didn't help his performance because the fight against Cal Brook was, you know, obviously one of the worst performances of his entire career. Uh, coming out of retirement just to take that fight that so many people wanted to see, obviously get a big payday that went along with it. Um, you know, I'm on, unfortunately, I'm like a lot of people that have either been fans of boxing or covered boxing for a long period of time, or, you know, been involved in the industry for a number of years is you just know that there a, there is a large number of people who use performance enhancing drugs and a lot of them get away with it. Uh, many of them don't. Um, I'm not going to tell you, I believe that Amir Khan, he purposely used it or he didn't. I don't know the answer to that. And I don't have really a feel for it just because I don't know what was going on with him prior to that. Uh, but there's a lot of guys out there that use and we don't know about. And it's unfortunate. And that's why drug testing is so important because particularly VADA testing, because VADA testing has a long track record of catching people. And I understand what Amir is. I didn't know it knowingly use anything. Um Umar, tell me the last time you ever heard a professional boxer or a professional athlete of any kind tell you that they use something knowingly. I've, I've yet to hear somebody say that they used it knowingly. They all say, I didn't know it was there. You know, it, I was tainted supplement. Somebody gave it to me, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I mean, Gerald Miller tested the positive for like 12 substances or whatever. I'm joking. I mean, it was like five different things or whatever. And one of them you could only take by taking an injection. Mm. So you can't tell me you didn't know that something was going in you. This is not like, you know, you, you drank something or whatever. I mean, so I tend to not believe the guys that say they unknowingly did it in Mir's case. Uh, I'm not saying I, I think he's lying, but I just don't know the answer. I'd like to believe he didn't use it on purpose, but the track record in this sport and all sports is that most times, you know, it's a knowing situation. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, listen, um, let's move on to um, heavyweight talk. Anthony Joshua uh, made his return um, a couple of weeks ago against Jermaine Franklin here. What, what were your thoughts, your honest thoughts on Anthony's performance? And also, second part to this question, I don't know if you've just seen, but he's put on his Instagram that he's going to be back in December. He was uh, scheduled to fight in July and have three fights this year, but he said he will be not fighting in the summer and he'll be back in December. Well, as far as his performance uh, goes against Jermaine Franklin, I think I'm probably in the majority with most folks where, you know, he definitely needed very badly to get the win and he definitely got the win. It wasn't controversial. He clearly was the winner of that fight on points. But when you look at the overall performance, uh, you have to be a little disappointed. Uh, and when I say disappointed, I don't mean uh, disappointed because he didn't get a knockout. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, he didn't get a knockout. That's such a huge disappointment. I, I don't I don't think about that. To me, a knockout is not a preordained thing. And you have to take into account the abilities and the and the heart and the desire of the opponent and, and a lot of different factors that go into it. So the fact that he didn't score a knockout against Jermaine Franklin, who obviously has a very durable chin, uh, in no way is my reason for saying to you that it was a disappointing performance. The reason it was a disappointing performance is because he just looked like he had, like his mind was spinning during the fight. Like his physical attributes are great. He looked in great condition, even if he was at a heavy, uh, heavier weight than he'd ever been at, at 255 pounds. Uh, he still has a tremendous ramrod kind of jab. He, he still had uh, the stamina to go the 12 rounds. Uh, those are all good factors, but he just kind of looked gun shy. Like he didn't want to mix it up at all. Like he knew that if he got hit with a good clean shot, it might cause trouble. You know, he's having like flashbacks or thoughts, bad thoughts in his mind about what happened in the fight uh, against Andy Ruiz the first time, or even the way, you know, he got touched up uh, particularly in the, in the first fight against Alexander Usyk. Like, I just don't, he maybe for, for good reasons, he doesn't trust his, his chin or his ability to take a shot or deal with uh, adversity. So he's become, a very cautious fighter. Uh, he is not the destroyer, march forward, blast your head off, Anthony Joshua that we saw when he first became a heavyweight champion and was, you know, going through lots of good quality opponents. I think that he changed. Uh, I believe that he changed uh, the style because of the life and death scenario that he had with Vladimir Klitschko, which then became, and he won that fight, but then it became more exacerbated when he uh, got knocked out by Andy Ruiz. Uh, you know, remember cruising through that fight, had him on the deck and what the third one, I believe. And then suddenly it all changes with one shot and he's down three times and stop. Uh, that changes fighters. Uh, you can we can go back to boxing. history. You can find fights where guys were the winner and it changed their career for uh, the worse in terms of their style. I always think of the fight between at the time, uh, the great lightweight champion, Hector Camacho, who was dazzling, who was fast, who was one of the biggest stars in the lower weights of that time period in the 1980s. And he had a fight against Edwin Rosario, a fellow Hall of Famer, a fellow Puerto Rican uh, in Madison Square Garden. And he won the fight. It wasn't like it was, uh, you know, uh, super, it wasn't controversial. He was a clear winner, but he took so much punishment in that fight and got rocked with shots. He just like, you know what, I'm never going to go through that again. And he became a safety first fighter and cautious the rest of his career. And so Joshua, I'm not saying it's exactly the same scenario, but I feel like he knows I better make sure I keep my chin down and my hands up or you know, I'm going to have a short career and it's made him uh, a less fan friendly fighter. I don't, I don't knock him for it. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, but his clearly things have changed with the way he approaches the fight. Once the, once the bell rings now, whether he can ever revert back to the, to the fighter that we once saw, if, if, it, if Derek James, the new trainer can kind of break through 
to him in a, a mental way. I, I really don't know. It's, it's unlikely, it seems to me, at this stage of his career. So that's the reason why it was a disappointment. And, uh, you know, but I have nothing but good thoughts for Anthony Joshua. I like him. I wish him the best. He's a, been a great asset to the sport of boxing. I think he's always been a good guy uh, since I've known him. Uh, in terms of his decision to not fight in July uh, or the summertime, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, this is not the first time that that Anthony has won a fight um, and talked about having a busier schedule. And so then it doesn't happen. So, you know, I sort of was like, I hope he comes back in the summer. I think it'd be good for him to have the activity. Uh, it's good for boxing. It's good for his career. But on the other hand, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, when you get to that level and there's lots of things that go into the schedule, the amount of money that's involved, picking an opponent, the opportunities that present themselves, your your uh, relationship with your broadcaster, et cetera, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more complicated. And so in no way that I'm shocked, it's kind of disappointing. He would have to wait all the way till the end of next, uh, all the way to the end of the year. In other words, instead of coming back in July and now going to maybe wait all the way to December, you know, could you come back maybe in like September, October? Like, it seems like an unnecessarily long layoff for a guy that really, unless I'm not aware, didn't come out of the fight with any particular like injuries or that type of thing. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No. I mean, I mean, I, he didn't put in his statement that, you know, it's due to injury and he, he looked fine on the night. I'm not sure if he's injured. He might have not put it in. but I, I, Not, obviously. Yeah. As far as I know, he, he's not. Um, the only thing that springs to mind is uh, obviously in December, end of November, December, Saudi Arabia, it's no secret they want to stage a massive heavyweight fight. So maybe he's just waiting on that opportunity then. Is that maybe what's going on? I mean, that's always possible. But the reality was if he wasn't going to have uh, an, of a, say, a Tyson Fury fight in the summer, uh, Saudi Arabia was still going to be there also. So if, if it's a matter I want to not take a gamble of losing and go into that big mega fight, I mean, I can't really argue with that, I guess. But, and, but the point was his talking points, his viewpoint was I need to stay busy. Eddie Hearn's thing was, I need him to stay busy. I want him to stay busy. Derek James was like, look, you know, it's his life, his career, but I'd like to see him active. But we need to work on things. So if that's everything that's being said beforehand, and then you say, yes, I'm going to come back in the summer, and then two weeks after you win your fight, you say, oh, you know, forget all that stuff. I'm going to wait until December. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I'm not, like, mad about it. It is what it is. I mean, I hope that, it, I hope that the reason is because I'm going to be fighting Tyson Fury at the end of the year. Because right now, as far as I know, Tyson's got nothing lined up. He was supposed to, you know, obviously fight Usyk in April. It didn't happen. End of the end of April. That did not come to pass. Uh, he's not encumbered by a mandatory defense with the WBC. He could do anything he wants. Um, but if he wants to wait for Joshua, I mean, you know, we've wanted to see that fight for so long. So if it means we got to wait an extra six months, I think we can all an extra six months. We can all live with that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know that to be the case. I'm, 
maybe that's the reason, as you said, there's no clarity just yet. But if that ultimately becomes the reason, I can't blame him for waiting until December. Okay, okay. Well, talking about heavyweights, um, we saw Jared Anderson um, do his usual thing last night. Another stoppage victory for uh, Big Baby, uh, really making uh, a mark now on the heavyweight scene. Dan, what what do you think it you know should be next from? Because a lot of the uh, the action really in the heavyweight division, the big names are actually in the UK. I'm not sure if you know how realistic uh, it is that you know the big sort of names want to get in with Jared Anderson until they're mandated to and and they've got to. Um, so so how long do you think before we see Jared Anderson in a really big big fight? Well, that's hard to say only because you ha- it takes two to tango, as they say. You can't just have a big fight if you only have one guy willing. Jared Anderson clearly is willing to fight a top uh, or not necessarily a top guy, but certainly a better guy than the ones he's been fighting. Like, you know, I don't think anybody is going to say maybe Jared would say this, but his team, uh, his promotion, uh, certainly fans, press, whatever. I don't think anybody's going to tell you that he is ready to fight Tyson Fury, for example, or that he is even ready to fight a Deontay Wilder or he's ready to fight uh, an Alexander Usyk, those types of names, a Joe Joyce. I mean, these are the very best of the uh, heavyweights in the world. Uh, you know, I'm sure that his team would jump at an opportunity to fight Anthony Joshua, although Joshua would obviously not do that because there's absolutely zero reason to do so. Um, so in terms of his his performance on Saturday night, first of all, he looked absolutely sensational against George Arias. Now, George Arias was an undefeated fighter, but it didn't surprise me. The over-under on that fight, I do a betting show with bet us was like four and a half i got asked you know what do you think we didn't do like official picks i usually go overs on fights like that i'm like you know what i would take the under on that it turned out to be three rounds uh it didn't surprise me arius is always like kind of a short stocky guy i'd never really fought anybody and you're fighting a killer in anderson who's clearly on the upswing in a big way he looked phenomenal uh the next step for him top rank is uh, this is going to be the last time we'll see him on this type of undercard i mean boxing fans don't realize it right now but one of the things I enjoy, even if they're not the most uh, ultra competitive fights, even though uh, the guys are taking steps up, you had a fight where you had Shakur Stevenson, who was a phenomenal fighter, is going to be a pound for pound king someday. I already think he's a top probably five or six pound for pound fighter in boxing. You have him in the main event, but then you have, uh, at least in my opinion, the two fighters that I have picked as the prospect of the year for the previous two years. You got the 2022 prospect of the year, the lightweight Keyshawn Davis, and the 2021 prospect of the year that I picked, the heavyweight Jared Anderson. And all three of them are on the same card together. That that's how you're going to look back years from now. And go, oh my God, they had Shakur Stevenson, Jared Anderson, and Keyshawn Davis all on the same card. Uh, those days are coming to an end because Jared Anderson's next fight is right now uh, scheduled, as I have reported, for July 1st. They're going to take him home for his first ever professional fight uh, in his hometown of Toledo, Ohio. And so now, if he's in the main event, they want to put him in with a real. A, a, a real yeah. guy not to say that george arias wasn't a real guy and his previous opponent uh, in december jerry forrest who was like a fringe contender wasn't a real guy but he blitzed through those guys he took out Forrest in two rounds and he he took out arias in three rounds so uh they want to step him up so i think if you talk to the people at top rank they would love and i'm not saying this is the fight that's going to happen so don't make a nasty headline that misconstrues what i'm saying here and I'll let you, you guys love to do that. I don't, I'm not offended, but please don't do that. They would love to match him up with somebody like Joseph Parker, for example, yeah. like to take that kind of level step up where Joe Parker obviously is a very credible, very quality heavyweight, but he's not at the elite level at the moment. 
but he's been a former champion. He's fought everybody. He's got a great chin. He's been in the ring. He knows what he's doing. He was a good amateur. In other words, they want somebody on that level, somebody that is not an old man, but somebody that they think is going to perhaps provide competition, but obviously they're going to like their guy's chances to win. So that type of opponent, um, whether they're willing to do it, the way it works in this business is the, the more money you throw at an opponent, the more likely that they're going to say yes. So if you go to fighter X, Y, Z and say, you know, we'll give you whatever, 250,000. And then they're like, no, thanks. And suddenly uh, within a, a little while, it gets to 600,000, you know, things start to change in their mentality. So, you know, they are aware top ranks, they're not neophytes. They have been doing this for over 50 years in this business. They understand what it takes to build the guy up. And they know that when it gets to this point and you're right on that edge of taking that big giant step up, after which there's no coming back uh, that it's going to take some money to get these guys in the ring. But Jared Anderson is like at this stage of his career with only 14 fights. He's like a couple of fights away from being in some major events and he's going to be a linchpin of the division. If he keeps winning, we still don't know how his chin is uh, at least in this country. He's going to be a highly significant fighter because he looks the part, he talks the part and he punches the part. He certainly does. Um, someone else who looked the part once again, obviously, was Shakur Stevenson last night. Yeah, talk to me about his emphatic domination Oof. of a performance. And also, uh, he wants he wants Devin Haney. If he beats Lomachenko, he's he's called out Devin Haney. He did call out Devin Haney. He would fight Lomachenko. I mean, I have zero doubt in my mind. I Again, I've known Shakur Stevenson since he was an amateur. I've covered many of his fights, interviewed him many, many times. This is a a throwback in the sense that you, you know, I'll fight anybody anywhere, anytime, make a, make the right deal. And I'm in the ring, you know, and it reminds me of the mentality of the Evander Holyfields and the James Tonys and, you know, Bernard Hopkins and just guys who are not interested in ducking anybody, you know, make the appropriate business deal. Tell me what time to show up. <laughs> Tell me which is my locker room you know, give me, you know, my, my necessary eight weeks to train and I will be there with, uh, you know, and uh, be in the ring and take care of business. So I'll take my, I'll take names and kick ass. And that's what your course Stevenson is doing right now. You are watching the evolution of the future pound for pound King. That's the bottom line. He is absolutely a brilliant fighter. I was thinking, I was talking to somebody after the fight super late last night. And I was, they were asking me like, you know, can you think of anything that's been like this trajectory of a fighter? And I was like, of guys I've covered from the early days. Like, I mean, when I started to cover like Roy Jones, for example, who to me is the best fighter I ever covered. He was already in his prime. You know, I started when he was already a light heavyweight champion. So he was already an established pound for pound guy, but guys I covered from the beginning who I watched their evolution up close to see it. You know, there, there's a few guys like that, like Lomachenko, for example. Uh, but there's very few guys where you watch and you see them just blossom. And that is what's happening right now with Shakur. People maybe not realize it. They're going to look back, you know, in a, in a few fights and say that was the case. But, you know, putting aside his problems of making 130, which caused him to be stripped of his titles, he still fought Kansasau and looked phenomenal against a guy that was a Olympic gold medalist and a really good, skillful boxer. He took apart Oscar Valdez, uh, who had never been beaten, uh, you know, and, and was didn't just win, but did so handily. Knocked him down one, probably what, 11 of, or 10 or 11 of the rounds uh, in a dominating situation. You know, Jamel Herring, who when he was uh, at the top of his game, he absolutely shredded him in a, in a stoppage. He's getting stronger. He, you know, he has now become a full fledged lightweight. He looked strong. And Yoshino, who was undefeated 
who had defeated Ito and Nakatani, you know, two good quality guys, uh, you know, pretty impressively, uh, just had absolutely nothing to offer other than his heart. It was, it was a, I can't put stronger words of, of, uh, of brilliance on it, of what he did the other night. It just, and he commanded the ring. And by the way, anybody that says, you know, he's not a ticket seller, he's not a draw. Well, he put 10,000 people in that hometown building, which was the biggest crowd he's done when he fought back in uh, the end of last year against Kansas South, put about 8,000 in that arena, maybe 8,500, something like that. So he's becoming a draw, at least in the, in the, in the Newark, in the Metro New York area. Uh, you know, he's going to have a chance to be a crossover kind of guy because he's got a great smile. He's got a good personality and, and he can fight his ass off. He definitely can. And uh, just to close off, have you had a chance to watch uh, the zone card and also um, Bam's broken his jaw and I know he was scheduled to fight, signed to fight Sonny Edwards next. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, bit of a disappointment, but yeah, did you watch that? Yeah, I did. I, you know, it was a busy Saturday night because I was kind of going back between different shows. So I was paying most attention live to the Shakur fight. Yeah. Um, I was, I had watched portions of that undercard, but I did watch the BAM fight in its full entirety. Uh, I had seen parts of it, but I watched the rest of it when I uh, got up on Sunday. Uh, also was paying attention to what was going on in our Showtime card with Sebastian Pandora's big uh, dramatic uh, upset knockout loss. But in terms of Bam Rodriguez, um, I think a lot of people expected that he was coming down in weight, so he'd be a little stronger. He didn't have a problem making that weight, uh, going down from 115 pounds where he had won a title to now try to win this flyweight belt. And uh, Christian Gonzalez, who was the opponent, was had no resume to speak of. And yet people kind of thought, well, you know what? He'll hang in there probably just because he's a tough guy, but Bam's going to take him out. Uh, when he didn't, you're like, okay, well, you know, that's the breaks because he didn't really look spectacular either in his most recent fight uh, on the Canelo card back in uh, in the fall. But now we know the reason why, because you got to give Bam Rodriguez all the you know tip of the hat uh, for, for fighting six rounds or so with a broken jaw. And uh, clearly he's not making that up. You could tell when he was talking uh, to my pal Chris Mannix doing the interview for DAZN afterwards, you could see the blood in his mouth and, you know, his jaw kind of looked a little messed up and he wasn't talking uh, smoothly the way he normally would. He was, you know, he's like, I can barely do this interview. I kind of felt bad, like Chris did also. Like, okay, let me, you know, let, let me let you get out of here so you can go get it checked out. Uh, so that that's the situation with that. So unfortunately, he has the jaw injury. And as you mentioned, it's going to probably keep him out of the ring you know, I haven't seen a diagnosis or heard anything specific. I, I checked in with the, the promoters to see what was going on. haven't heard back from them. But you got to figure, you know, at the very least, he's out till the like the fall, at least maybe, you know, deeper into the fall. So when does he come back? Maybe if he can, November, December, if he's even able to come back this year. Obviously, that would preclude a summer type of fight with uh, with anybody, including Sonny Edwards. So hopefully he'll just heal up. And, and there's no he's still only 22 years old so or 23 years old. It's not like there's some urgent rush to get him in the ring. Uh, he's at the end of his career or anything like that. So if it takes an extra six or eight months to make that kind of matchup for him, not a big deal. But if you're, if you're matchroom boxing, you know, you also still have not only Sonny Edwards, but you also have the WBC flyweight champion in, uh, in Julio Cesar Martinez. So it seems to me that if Bam's on the sideline, maybe they could make Sonny Edwards against Martinez. And by the way, they've had back and forth also. So that's a good match. Yeah. yeah. They've done that. You got the boxer and Sonny, you got the brawler and Martinez, you put them together, the winner emerges with two titles and is going to be sitting there waiting for Bam Rodriguez when he comes off of his injury. Um, maybe he gets a tuna fight, whatever. But the point is, you know, because of Matchroom and DAZN all working with these guys, there's and, and the money is going to be the biggest money for the boxers, but it's not such dramatically huge money that these are not fights that are affordable for the promoters and networks to put together. 
particularly because, you know, Bam has shown that he can sell tickets at home. He's become a bigger name. Uh, no reason why these flyweight titles shouldn't be unified through a series of uh, fights that shouldn't take, you know, 10 years to get done like we've seen in some other big matchups. <laughs> well, listen, Dan, on that note, uh, always good speaking to you and uh, hopefully we'll have a, another catch up soon. All the best. Take care. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.